0: To Movie the Musical, a podcast about movies that have been turned into musicals. I am your host, Ben Kay. We are here to investigate, interrogate, and celebrate the art of adaptation from screen to stage. We are a podcast that loves questions. And today's question to guess if you can, says the host of Movie the Musical Who is the monster and who is the man?
1: That, I'm both You're both Okay great <laughs> <laughs> it's the joy of being non-binary <laughs> <Right>. <laughs>
2: uh, I feel like it, watch After watching this movie The monster you're just like Yeah like Catholicism Or mm-hmm. just like uh, The general The general public sometimes You know <laughs> yeah. Just general
0: fear based Hatred of the other Yeah that's yeah. that's the one <laughs> It's all pretty monstrous. <laughs> it's it's not good. It's not great. Even Victor Hugo can tell you that. Um, so, it's of true. course, for today's episode, uh, we are talking about... We are, we are at the penultimate episode of our Disney season. Uh, we are closed it out next week, friends. Um, and here we are with 1996's The Hunchback of Notre Dame, directed by Gary Trousdale and Kirk Wise, and its subsequent... 2015 2016 depending on who you ask or, or 1999. 1999 yeah depending on who you <laughs> ask
1: depending on what language you speak
0: exactly stage adaptation of the same name unless you speak german where it was the glockner of notre dame uh but either way, the licensed version of this show, with a book by Peter Parnell, music by Alan Menken, and lyrics by Stephen Schwartz, are, uh, as always, our wonderful producer and editor, Bran Moorhead, is here. Hello, Bran.
1: Hi, Ben. We're here. <laughs> we, this, is, this is our last sequential, in, in recording order, this is our last one for this
0: Yes, this is, uh, season. this is very odd, because we recorded the finale earlier today. So Mm -hmm. we, uh, performed the temporal pincer movement to, uh, to make these last two episodes happen. Um, Mm -hmm. it is very odd. This is also our first two-episode record day, and and I'm feeling it. I really, in the best of Mm -hmm. ways, um...
1: I think we've done two in a day before, but maybe one was a short Patreon.
0: That yeah, that, maybe that was it. it. But still, it's it's a lot. Certainly,
1: our first one to do before 11 a.m. Central Time this morning.
0: <laughs> oh boy! But it's a it's a good episode, and you'll hear it. It is next week. Uh, next week. But today's episode has a wonderful guest joining us. Uh, he is a. Brilliant playwright and uh, a self-described all-around wonderful bear of a human being, uh, Rowley Luna is here in the Pod Zoom
2: room. Hey guys, thanks for having me. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited. Uh, very excited.
0: Hell yeah! It's <laughs> I. I'm excited. I'm. I'm grateful mm-hmm. that you're here. Um, hunchback. Why? Why? Why hunchback, Rowley?
2: Um. Sort of (laughs) sort of thinking about Hunchback of Notre Dame actually um, opened up like this weird uh, uh, traumatic memory in my life, which is fun. Oh, no, Um, which is great. (laughs) Just family drama. My uncle, uh, my uncle, he was what you would call a Disney gay um, back before we knew what a Disney gay was. (laughs) <laughs> um, <laughs> I think he was still married to my uh, aunt at the time. Anyway, he was—I just remember he was having a birthday party that was like Hunchback of Notre Dame themed. The movie must have just come out. Like it was weird. Sure. And then at the same time, my other uncle was like coming back from uh, the war, or or he was being deployed. Everybody was getting drunk and then I think I think some cholos may have shown up and the party was ruined. Either way, things were <laughs> things were happening. Oh my gosh. Uh, it was very like hashtag East LA um living our best <laughs> lives
0: uh,
2: uh it was, and so it's this is actually fun to kind of be like oh my god remember that thing we locked away a long time ago <laughs> yeah it's about like this musical cool let's watch this musical
1: now you're gonna like call your distant relatives and be like hey remember that time in 1997
2: what the hell was that about, what, was that about? <laughs> what actually happened there uh can we can we talk about it or we're we still not talking about it i'm not sure I, I'm I'm so I I
0: apologize question mark for unlocking <laughs> this uh, drama within your family history. My goodness! Um, oh no, it's great, I, it's
1: great. Oh good. I'll give me something to talk about at therapy this week. Right? Yeah. Exactly. You Worth know, it's rent. like ugh, better than talking about COVID. Am I right? <laughs> for, for real? Uh, <laughs> give me some repressed memories over my current health.
0: Absolutely.
1: <laughs> my goodness.
0: Um. So hunchback. I. I don't. I. Raleigh, I usually like to have a thesis that I pin at the top of each episode, being like, here's sort of, like, my grand point about, like, what this film is and, like, where it stands in, like, the world of Disney and even, like, or, like, whatever... Pro- uh, thing we're talking about, or, like, about the stage show, and I'm sure, like, I'll have points that come up later in the episode, um, but m- my main thesis I want to pin is that uh, these shows slap. Uh, these, this property <laughs> is uh, is a banger, um, and I think, and, and I'm sure we'll obviously ha- maybe have some thoughts and feelings and disagreements just about the film and the stage show themselves, just as, as in the totality of themselves, but I think from a music perspective i think this is alan menken's best work that is sort of wow that is my and i don't and i, I don't and i worded that very specifically i didn't say from a songwriting perspective um because i think there are disney properties with better songs than this one but i think from the actual music in this film i think this is for me alan menken's sort of like best work his most triumphant compositions he did the score for Damn. this as well. Yes. Right? Yeah. Okay. And like this, there's the moment, and I'm skipping around. Whatever we make the rules here, like skipping around. There's that moment uh, in the film where Quasimodo swings Tarzan style on a rope from Notre Dame. Picks up Esmeralda and then climbs back up to the top and then lifts the her body up, yelling "Sanctuary, sanctuary!" That ascension of music leading up to that moment is like—it's like rivals like the transformation music of the Beast and Beauty and the Beast. Like, sure, right? It's, no, it's amazing. It's it's kind of masterful. I've seen like people call this like disney's sometime musical which is also an interesting (laughs) take on it i guess which i i don't know if i agree with i'm just like i'm like oh it's got a it's a dark tone i guess that's what it is i think i can see
2: you know if we talk about the stage version of the musical um everything is so much more like you know the chorus and then we're gonna have this whole song that sets up everything like that's like it was very Sweeney Todd but if we're talking about like the movie like the cartoon I it's like eh, we have this guy and he tells us all the things that are gonna happen Uh, I I I don't know if I agree with with that point but I could see that with as far as like the stage version
0: yeah I would say that Brian Brian, you seem to I I, there seems to I don't know where is your head at Brian (laughs)
1: I, I don't know. I had never seen this movie until yesterday. Great. Ever. Somehow don't not a not a clue how I missed it as a kid, but I did. And um obviously Ditto for the musical, I had not listened to it uh until yesterday and today and doing research and stuff. Yeah, I don't know. It um You kind of turned, we did our, our, you'll hear our rankings next week that we already recorded today for our lives, and (laughs) you kind of convinced me to move it up in my ranking, at least on musical, on the musical side of things. Sure. um, With our prior discussion. And I think it does have some really smart uh, additions and like deepening of the plot and that kind of thing that we're, I'm sure we'll touch on. Um, and the movie is pretty, it looks beautiful. I mean, it's very well animated. I don't really care for. Any side character, sure, um, in the movie at all, which is like pretty rare for Disney. I feel like there's usually at least one that I can glom onto, right? Um, not, not even the goat, like not even
2: the 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 Disney yeah. animal sidekick.
1: <laughs> I like that the goat smokes a pipe at one point. Sure. A couple <laughs> times in fact, like that's pretty cool. I'm yeah. here
2: for animals
1: using tobacco. Yeah, well, and it is um, it
0: is it is, int- it is interesting. Yeah, because like oh yeah, obviously you're an Iago's stan You are uh, here to root for our parrot boy Iago. Um, Yeah,
1: but no, I'm glad there's no talking animals. The gargoyles, I think, are like (laughs) mm, sweaty to borrow a term. Yeah, Uh, and and their like performances slash humor is pretty hit or miss. I think that like there's a couple good ones in there, Um, but like overall, like what a waste of Jason Alexander and uh oh what's the woman
2: who plays Laverne yeah Yeah, so she okay so I Mary Wicks is her name yeah and I as soon as she started talking I was like that is sister Mary Lazarus from um from um Sister Act. Act from Sister Act. I yeah. was like, "Oh my god, this is this is great!" And then I was like, "Oh, yeah. this is what we're doing with her." Okay, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. And that right. was like, like the last line in the movie."
2: Yeah, she does.
1: a really <laughs> dumb line. It is <laughs> not funny. And like, listen, listen,
0: listen, listen, listen. I will. It, I. I am not. I am not. Unaware of the fact that there is some tonal whiplash in this thing. I am aware that there is some beautiful dark imagery and themes tackled in this thing, and then you literally have a palace, you have a god falling from Notre Dame, literally doing the Yahoo! goofy yeah. laugh like i'm aware yeah. those
1: should not exist in the same movie and some stuff some imagery that i'm as like you say like some very dark imagery and then also some stuff that i'm like what is what is happening is the entire city of paris covered in lava now? i know i like get right. the
2: end that's pretty confusing it was very confusing i will say that part of the movie again it's been so long i um uh, there is a uh no, Hunchback of Notre Dame level in Kingdom Hearts for the 3DS. Sure. And, nice. like, and like, that's literally the final battle. Um, you're Frollo, and then he like falls into the lava. And I was like, that that can't be how it happens in the movie. And then I was like, oh, that's, no, that's exactly, what <laughs> the fuck is that? Paris is just on top of a volcano? Like, what is happening?
1: Yeah, yeah. Because they dump out a bunch of like molten metal that I like yeah. melt down the bells. Uh, What's yeah. going we get, on? We're,
0: we're, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Um, our story starts in 1831 in Paris. <laughs> uh, Victor Hugo, who uh, will prop... I, I mean, he's not going to come up on the main th- feed again. He's definitely going to come up in a Patreon episode when we talk about Les Mis. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, it's... a uh, fr- The novel uh, is called Notre Dame de Paris. Hunchback of Notre Dame is the English name. Um, that's mm-hmm. the name, because... Which is, again, interesting to think about that, like, the novel isn't called Hunchback. It's just a novel, like, he's using this piece of architecture as the focal points of the story that he's telling. Like, it's, it's almost more about the ensemble that is inhabiting this building rather than the Hunchback himself.
1: Well, and he wrote it to wait, raise awareness about like crumbling Gothic architecture <laughs> yeah. in Paris because he was a big fan. That's why there. I've never read the book, but I, I know that there are huge sections that are just descriptions of the cathedral and of, of the architecture, architecture and the statues and and like friezes and everything on it. Um, because he saw all of this medieval architecture in Paris just being completely laid to waste after the French Revolution and abandoned and. Um, There was talk of tearing it down and building up new, Mm -hmm. simpler structures. And because of the popularity of this novel, it led to the um, resurrection of some of these these old buildings, including Notre Dame. And like 15 years after that, they would put like 20 years worth of work and the equivalent of today of millions and millions and millions of dollars into restoring and preserving these places and eventually like establishing them as... UNESCO World Heritage Sites and that kind of a thing. That's why. Pretty much completely from this book. Which is... That's crazy.
0: Which is really wild to think about. It's, yeah, it's like... No one's gonna write like the Phantom of the Thompson Center, and then they're gonna be like, "Oh man, we really should actually figure out what to do with that place, huh?" Like, no, I don't, no. like, I don't know if that, like, something like that could happen today, you know? Yeah, yeah. That is, that is a <laughs> Chicago building for our listeners who do not live here. Um, just gotta get some context in there. But either way, um, fascinating piece of text for uh, the Disney Corporation to think of adapting adapting. adapting uh into a children's feature film um again like (laughs) i guess they just i mean obviously beauty and the beast is set in france but like outside of uh jeremy orbach's accents there isn't much sort of like french like in the film right i mean like like at least based in the storytelling of that movie so yeah maybe there was like a desire to have a more sort of like have a film that is more steeped in french culture french architecture i i don't know uh but i mean the story had obviously been adapted to f- for film on various occasions as a very famous 1923 silent version with lon chaney the 1939 sound version with charles lawton um and then th- and then this was like one of the more prominent ones um one of the least uh True to the novel ones, but definitely one of the more uh, prominent takes on the material. Uh, Gary Trous- Trousdale and Kirk Wise uh, directed Beauty and the Beast, so I feel like, you know, they directed the first animated film to get an Oscar nomination for Best Picture, riding pretty high. Um, the only other film they would direct after this is, of course, Atlantis The Lost Empire, um, a good movie. <laughs> That was a good one. I like that one. A weird movie,
2: <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
1: not French. Uh, uh,
0: it, it, what, what is it? Is it? Well, yeah. This is. It
1: is there other two? Yeah, I yeah. guess
0: yeah, so. Yeah, they love they love French shit. I guess who knows? Who, who knew? <laughs> um, but yeah, it's the story of a of a of a hunchback. He's the son of. Okay, and this is. I wanna. I wanna. Because they It sucks It sucks because Both in the film And the stage show Um And ideally This is the only time I'm gonna say this Uh The characters Uh Like folks like Esmeralda And Clopin Are referred to As gypsies And as we know That Mm -hmm. is a derogatory term For these folks They are And they are likely Romani characters And so I would love To at least Do the darndest To refer to them As such For the rest of the record Um because yeah, they they uh, do not like that term, um, and I I don't like it either. But that is uh, that's what happens. Um, uh, so I guess uh, Quasimodo is like the child of a, a Romani woman who Frollo essentially like second degree murders, right? Um, just like throws her onto the steps of the.
2: That part was so weird because he, yeah. you're watching it. You're watching it, and he's just like, "What do you have?" And it's like, clearly, she has a baby. It's clearly it's a baby. Clear, <laughs> and He's like, oh, "It's stolen goods," and then like chases after her, and then yeah, I don't know, I forget what he like what pulls her hair and smashes her head into the yeah, ground or something like that. Yeah, screen. and then it's like, okay, it's a baby, man. <laughs> like, and then we're sitting there, and it's just like him with the baby in his hands. It goes to the well, and you're like, the well that's conveniently Whoa. right over there. Right, <laughs> yeah, there were
1: probably a well right there at the time.
2: Yeah, there was a lot of wells. Yeah, and you're just like, are you sure this
1: this got a G, this deserves a G rating? Like <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ! I know. <laughs> there's several moments where I was like, my God, gosh, yeah. that's really intense. <laughs> but so like, this I some, like but, murder,
0: and uh, there's a
1: lot of murder. Um, and even
0: <laughs> to like rewind a little bit, like I just like. The film hooks hooks me in at least, and maybe hooks others in. Like you immediately have the sort of like the chanting uh, over the black screen, and mm-hmm. then you just clouds top of Notre Dame. Ah, ah, just ah, ah. that. I don't know, mm-hmm. y'all. That is just like one of if again, even if you're not a fan of the film, like that
2: is just like one of the more epic ways to start a movie. No, I think it's. Yeah. I, I think it's beautiful because it also is just like, yeah, it's that like top down sort of like you know we're going from the the heavens down to, yes. to the street and it's just like that, that epic yeah the the chanting the choral sort of thing. Um, yeah. And then fil- you know baby
0: murder and then baby murder. This film <laughs> this film has a very sort of complicated as the world give it uh, relationship with religion and especially Catholicism. Uh, right, it's. Mm. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm, uh, as I would like to call myself, fantastically Jewish. So, you know, (laughs) I, 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 I come at these things from an outsider perspective. But obviously, I don't know if either of you. I'd
1: say the movie has a clearer attitude towards Catholicism than the musical does, because yes, notably in the movie, not a church official. Right, he's a he's like a city government. Oh, that's what he is. He's a judge. Yeah, like a government official. And the one that shows compassion is the it's funny they use the same term, but he's the archdeacon. Yeah. Uh is it is his name Dubon in the film as well, maybe? Whatever that guy's name yeah, is. That's it. Um who later becomes a bishop or something or a yeah. cardinal or something. Right. Um, but he's the one who like sort of establishes the rules of sanctuary and convinces him not to, you know, that it would be a sin to murder a baby. Yeah. Which <laughs> I would say Catholics. Stuck by that one pretty hard. Uh,
2: <laughs>
1: sticking by that rule uh, not by some that of rule. the other ones so yeah. far, um, <laughs> but but for the most part, the movie's like pretty clear on like church being good, use of it by bad government official bad. You know, yeah exactly. It's, we'll talk about it being a little more complicated. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, it's very 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 true. Uh, but then Quasimodo grows up. Um, to be voiced by uh, the wonderful Amadeus himself, Tom Hulse.
1: Wow. Very, I did not know that. Yes.
0: Um, very, until
1: watching this. Like, very, very good.
0: I think he's kind yeah, of he lovely oh, in this movie. Yeah, he's fantastic. Yeah. He's like... Mm-hmm. Nice singing, too. Lovely singing. And like, Out There mm-hmm. is not an easy song. I will, I will say that, like... Um, and so yes, yeah, so obviously this is this is a musical. Uh, the, like I said, uh, I am completely uh, transfixed by the Alan Menken music and the score. Um, but the lyrics are uh, Stephen Schwartz, and I don't, Brand, we haven't brought up Stephen Schwartz yet, nope. right? Like wild. Which so obviously he sort of took the mantle after Howard Ashman passed away. It was interesting because obviously Tim Rice. Sort of came in to sort of help with some of the lyrics on Aladdin. But then there was never like a fully fledged like Mencken Rice project.
1: Like, no, I mean, I think Tim Rice gets too busy. He's already had a long relationship with Andrew Lloyd Webber, but I'm pretty sure he goes right into another project with him. Yeah,
0: and then Lion King, of course, as well.
1: He's working on Lion King.
0: But uh, but yeah, because yeah, obviously Alan Mencken and Stephen Schwartz uh, first does a show without a movie with Alan Mencken with Pocahontas. A movie Mm -hmm. that we will not talk about until Disney makes the ridiculous decision to adapt that for the stage. Um, But I don't think that could. Please don't. They can't. They can't. They they cannot. Um, But I. And then uh, there was this one. And then Stephen Schwartz went on to. Obviously, uh, he went on to do the music and lyrics for The Prince of Egypt, an upcoming episode. We will be covering that at some point. (laughs) They do a um, stage, it's a version stage of the
1: musical p- too. They, they did, did do a
0: stage, but ver- they did. Yeah, it's in the West End right now. Um, Ooh, oh, right now. I, I right. think. Well, maybe not I right now. Um, but it's 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 around. It's happening. <laughs>
1: we we'll wait until Passover.
0: We'll wait until <laughs> Peis- the Holy Pesach to discuss the Prince of Egypt. There you
1: go. <laughs> um, this is different. Wrong, wrong Jewish holiday right now.
0: Right. And then. Uh, we And then, what's it called? Uh, of course, ten, well, the night we're recording this is actually the first performance back for Wicked on Broadway. Um, you folks ever heard of Wicked? Yeah. You ever heard of this musical? Yeah, you it's heard this of little, Wicked?
2: Just this, like, little thing. The wickedly talented.
0: This is this little thing. <laughs> Which, again, like, it, I, I forget if I've talked about this on the pod or just yelling about this in real life. Um, Like, <laughs> they are John, Chu, John M. Chu, who directed In the Heights is making he's directing the wicked movie and like that thing is clearly a disney animated musical and i (laughs) I think it is foolish of them to not adapt it into an animated film like that is like the most logical thing that you could do with that property and it is kind of ridiculous that it doesn't seem like that's what's happening
2: yeah the budget on that must be just like a Gazillion dollars, and I, be, oh and I God.
0: bet it's probably not gonna look good. Like the no, way
1: it's the, not. That's exactly what I was just thinking. It's going to look like a CG monstrosity. Yeah, the way, right? that contempor- sure. the way
0: that contemporary blockbusters just look these days. I'm just like, it's not. It's not gonna look good. It's gonna y'all. look like Cruella. I see. I yeah. oh God, I I hate that I'm bringing this up. I saw Shang Chi the other night. I saw Shang Chi in the Legend of the Ten Rings, and like, there's some good stuff in there, but it ends in like a battle that takes place on a cloudy Saturday afternoon. And, like, it ends with, like, a big battle between like a seat two cgi monsters and it's like Great. what are we doing here right
1: like, does it take place in like an atlanta parking lot for a lot of the movies they filmed
2: it in australia but you would never know right. yeah they filmed it all with it. i will say the fight scene where they're like on um the side of the building yeah and, uh, oh my god i i'm terrified of heights so the entire time <laughs> i'm sitting there just like oh, i i i can't do i am so nervous my body yeah. is shaking Oh god, that was terrible. Well, they
0: got they got Brad Allen, who sadly passed away earlier this year, but he was like one of the best. He like worked with Jackie Chan. He was one of the best like stunt mm. performers and coordinators in the business. They got him to like work on this movie, and in the best parts of the movie, it shows. Oh, like, absolutely, yeah, yes. But that final CGI battle is just such an earth tone gray mess, and I know Wicked it is likely going to look the same. Uh, Animate it Fuck it! It's it's a music. It's a Disney musical without
1: animated or or cool ass practical effects. Yeah, exactly One of the right. Uh, yeah.
0: But Stephen Schwartz. Um, I'll say obviously, Brian. We've talked about Howard Ashman a lot on on this season, especially, uh, but just on the podcast in general because I'll just bring up Little Shop every fucking time I can because I love that sure. thing. Um, obviously Stephen Schwartz is no Howard Ashman. Like, there's no argument about that. But like. I think he is a very. I think he actually has some of the better lyrics, uh, in the Disney songs, like of the other lyricists that uh, we've sort of talked about this season. Um, sure. I mean, I, like,
1: you know, Tim Rice is pretty great too. I would. I mean, I think Stephen Schwartz now has like a bigger body of work overall. Yeah. Um, and since he's a composer as well. Um, but yeah, pretty good.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, I, I, I again, like, it just. I think it just it matches the tone of what it matches the tone and the character of whatever needs to be conveyed in each song i think out there is just a lovely lyric um Mm -hmm. it's just a lovely piece um even uh somewhere which wasn't in the film initially it was just it was the credit song um it was just a nice a Mm -hmm. nice good Mm -hmm. time um (laughs) But yeah, there's some uh, there's some good shit happening uh, from a songwriting perspective. I think the opening number is just epic beyond proportion. I think out there is one of the better I
1: want songs. Um, I like that they use little clips of like uh, Mass, you know, Le Son yeah. and some other of that is just like peppered in there a little bit as like sort of transitional stuff. Smart. It's a little. I mean, it's obvious, but it's also good that they leaned into <laughs> yes. that. Yeah. Know
0: um so let's talk about these gargoyles everyone's favorite characters from uh the film the hunchback (laughs) of notre dame uh they are of course named uh victor hugo i mean of course yeah how can you not um and then laverne which okay uh you know (laughs) (laughs) that
2: third name sure
0: Um, But yeah, so obviously uh, Victor is voiced by uh, Charles Kimbrough and Laverne is voiced by uh, Mary Wicks and Hugo is voiced by uh, George Costanza himself, Jason Alexander um, who I mean, yeah, I think he single-handedly sort of Brings down the tone of this film uh in just i don't know the worst I, and i love him and i love jason alexander not his fault it's, no yeah not, they definitely that, gave J- him yeah jason alexander okay. innocent is that what you're saying <laughs> 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 not jason alexander not guilty is that is that the verdict um, yeah, I I it, yeah. It's obviously like not him, like single-handedly. Yeah, it's obviously yeah. the cards he was dealt, and the cards he was dealt, he's losing to a bird. Um, he says <laughs> at one point. God.
2: But yeah, no, he's like, said, like the whole thing is just like so. The, you know, just the the tone of everything and starting and speaking of birds, like when we are in, introduced to Quasimodo, there's this like baby bird that is just there and he's like uh maybe you fly maybe you don't and then he takes his hand away and i'm like that bird's gonna die that's how this movie's (laughs) gonna start we're gonna kill this little bird um, they did it. They did it. The bird lives. Bird lives. It's great. Uh, best part of most hopeful part of the movie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, that, but so you're, you know, it's like, okay, and this is obviously a story about just from these opening moments. We see this, you know, quasimodo he's kind. He's uh 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 uh, you know w- encouraging and you know yeah. sort of like this Trying to like I want everybody to be their best because you know I'm trying to do it blah, blah 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 and then it's like this really sort of heartfelt like characterization moment and then these gargoyles just like pop up and they're like ah fuck that bird like <laughs> piece of shit honestly of, you know, though yeah you know and then you're just like okay all right so these are your friends Uh, and then you you know they spend the next 10 minutes being like hey quasimodo what if you just like went down with all those people and he's like no i don't think that's a good idea and they're like fuck you it's a (laughs) great idea go do it (laughs) everything you're terrified of fuck it i don't care i don't care that you're scared i don't care how you feel quasimodo we want you to go down there
0: Pull the wine and cut
2: the cheese jesus (laughs) christ
0: (laughs) so but like so, this is an interesting thing that I think the stage show delves into a little more because there's a lot. Le- the- rules. I love talking about rules. I love talking about logic because there's obviously a very potentially like sad thing with these gargoyles right where they are a manifestation of quasimodo's mind right Mm -hmm. like that is sort of like the best version of what these characters are is that they are all just like you know he's a sad lonely hunchback sitting at the top of a tower who has no one to talk to so he pretends that the gargoyles are talking to him and like there's something sad about that and it's it's almost like a to borrow from another uh disney prop disney Pixar property it's almost like a chef Guousteau kind of thing where it's like they're not actually characters they're sort of just like manifestations of his own mind just in these in these other yeah. bodies but then like. Right you have the final battle where like they are actively hurting people and actively participating <laughs> in the, the onslaught of the God. And it's like, okay, yeah. so what is this?
2: Right. Who One are of these fellas? Like a machine gun for a second. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah. That's weird. <laughs> which, which when I, when I saw that moment, I was like, mm. yeah, I feel like if, if uh, any of these people had a gun, like this movie would be so much shorter. Like, they would have killed Esmeralda, like, so fast. Yes.
0: <laughs> Sad, but true. Uh, but then, and yeah, and I will say that, like, uh, their song, A Guy Like You, is, like, absolutely sort of, like, I don't know, like, I don't want... It's not a bad song, but it's certainly not It's it's the worst in the Of the bunch of the film. Oh, for
1: sure. Yeah, and it's just like it's that, and then Outcasts is a good song, but just very odd. Sure, (laughs) to Um, me. But then (laughs) then, save the Outcasts,
0: and obviously with the gargoyles, you know, it's the it's the reactive nature of Disney in response to the genie. Right? It's like oh. This thing worked.
2: This, uh, pe-
0: I mean, I think, I, that's just a mm-hmm. theory i no, it positive. Yeah,
2: no, it gives off those vibes for sure.
0: Of just, like, we need an overt piece of comedic relief uh, uh-huh. in this thing. And and uh, who do the kids love? Uh, George from Seinfeld. Uh, that's who. <laughs> um, and again, I love him. He's a, he's a Tony Award-winning actor. He can sing like the best of them, like... There's no I'm, I'm, i would never say anything bad about my my good buddy, Jason Alexander. Is uh, this
1: before or after Cinderella with Brandy?
0: That is a fantastic yeah, question. That's, I that's wonder awesome what is his that.
1: relationship. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> is,
0: uh, well, this is the year before Bran
1: wow oh, this, yeah go.
0: that was 97 uh
1: befo- this was his audition <laughs>
0: this was his but again like he was in jerome robbins's broadway he was like he's yeah. he was in a merrily we roll along yeah of course yeah original cast of merrily we roll along yeah he's he's got the bona fides um uh rounding out the cast uh you have uh kevin klein as the new captain phoebus um, again, I, I, Kevin Klein, good guy, gives a nice vocal performance. Um, again, he is someone who can sing as well, but Phoebus doesn't have any songs in the film. Doesn't
1: have any songs Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and you get
1: Clopin, f- who is what's Klopan. the guy's name who plays Clopin?
0: Clopan. You gotta clopin. honor the French uh, clopin, <laughs> clopin, <laughs> clopin bopping like,
1: like a closing shift and an opening shift. Right, clopin. A clopin. <laughs> oh, <God.
0: laughs> um, clopin is voiced by Paul Candel, um, who uh, was in was King Herod in Jesus Christ Superstar.
1: He's also the original cousin Ernie in Uncle, um, Tommy. Uncle Ernie, yeah. Yeah, I mean cousin Ernie, uncle Ernie. Yeah, yes, he's.
0: I mean, his tenor, his voice is just like Excellent. astounding. He was great. Like yeah, mm-hmm. that final like bells. I've not tried. Damn that note right up there.
1: It's way up there. How do
0: you do it? Paul?
1: belt. <laughs> yeah, focus it through your focus it through your forehead.
2: <laughs> yes, that's
1: fair. know that placement. Nice yeah. grout.
2: Oh. Just like getting to that note, I was like, oh, are we going to? No, we are. All right. He hit it. That's oh, fantastic. Still going. Amazing. Still All right. Going higher. We're going to go a little, bit, a little bit higher. Uh, That's great. I as soon as my first
1: note that I wrote down for this Ben was Ben K. You would play the narrator because he has puppets and like he's just right off the bat. Yeah, he's playing with puppets.
0: I mean, this is I. I yeah yeah you're right yeah you're right. <laughs> I'd, I have to I'd have to have a lot of vocal coaching, but yes. Um, and then of course Esmeralda, the lovely Romani, uh, is voiced by uh, of course the, uh, Demi Moore. How could she not? How could she not?
1: Sure. Um, Another thing kids loved, G.I. Jane. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes. Uh, it was
1: a ghost.
2: Yes. Yes. It's um, a and then, and, uh,
0: uh, oh My God. I'm dreading it. Um, and then, but then, of course, the villain of the piece, Judge Claude Frollo, the horniest judge in town, uh, mm. is voiced by Tony J. Um, uh, legendary. Legendary voice. Like, just like stuck in your brain. Um, it's great. Um, it's a good time. Um, hell, and he has.
1: Megabyte on Reboot. If anybody no remembers way. the show Reboot, yeah, yes. he played Megabyte. Isn't that hilarious? Oh my That's weird. god. I was like, that was one of his last roles, I, I think, was, was
2: Megabyte on Reboot. <laughs> I was like, wow, his voice sounds so familiar. And I like, went to his IMDb and I was like, I don't know any of these things. And then you say that absolutely mm-hmm. I, I was just talking about reboot the other day to somebody i don't know was that why. that
0: poorly animated cg show is that what
1: absolutely that was? oh absolutely. my god i would say it was animated at the time that it was made right. not for even poorly TV. for tv for television yeah the budget must have been so low but it was it, like i liked that show it, it was a awesome fun time.
2: Uh,
0: yeah
1: mm-hmm. uh, but of course reboot, reboot.
0: <laughs> he sings the they song did it, they did no uh, uh, way they, yeah. wait we'd, did we'd, they, we'd, they
1: reboot
2: reboot so reboot, they rebooted on Netflix. Feel free to cut oh, all of this wow. out. They rebooted on nope. Netflix. And um, if I remember correctly, it's like, so because all the reboots are terrible now, um, it's like these ch- kids can go into the computer world. And I think Bob is still there or like one of the main original characters is there. And they like interact with these kids who now are in the computer world. But then- uh, computer program becomes a human child some bullshit like that like it's very like, it's very like this is not reboot and that's fine just don't call it reboot you know reboot, it's like, something else. reboot yeah.
0: colon the guardian code uh that's the one <laughs>
1: great um yeah.
0: but we're not talking about reboot the guardian code <laughs> we're talking about quasimodo the, no- the notre dame hunchback um guardian <laughs> of the, the guardian of the bells <laughs> the um, guardian of the bell. um but uh Hellfire is the big song that everyone remembers. Oh yeah, uh, it rips. It's great.
1: <laughs> it's very good. It's it, so, so good. It's, Those big red hooded figures. Yeah, I mean, scary. So, love it.
0: So that's okay. So a few a few notes here. So, um, like like I said, like we, like we sort of talked about. Um, yeah, this is a film about. I mean, this is a film about se- like um, about a lot of things. It's about freedom. It's about um uh acceptance, uh, it's about the dangers of wielding Catholicism, uh, to uphold bigotry and and fear ba- uh, fear-based violence, etc. Um, it's also about sexual repression. It's about deep-seated sexual lust and repression. Uh rather G of in theaters now. <laughs> um but and of course this is uh, Judge Claude Frollo, who is lusting after esmeralda and just he he, he he the guy just cannot bust a nut and he has to <laughs> sing this song called hellfire um which again is just a beautiful piece of, it's yeah it starts off with that uh the the Santa maria yeah uh yeah and then just yeah this i mean yeah like you sort of said before brand the animation in this film you know it does that thing where like you'll have it does the anastasia thing where like some characters are like made to look like a lot like a real human being you know your frolos your phoebuses your esmeraldas and then you'll have characters who are a little more cartoony um Mm -hmm. but i mean just from just yeah, I mean, Hellfire, especially just as a sequence of animation, yeah, you have just the way things just flow into each other. The sort of... This, the, like,
1: figure dancing in the fire yeah, is really cool the, looking. The, the amazing. Sti-
0: the stylization mm-hmm. of, like, the background's changing. You have the shadows morphing yeah. into the hoods. It's... Yeah, and it's just... It's thematically terrifying, compositionally, yeah. just, like, really masterful. Just, like, again, like, lyrically, like, it is... tell It has... A clear through line of what the song mm-hmm. is. I mean, it has a starting place. It has a midpoint. It has an end place. Like it is.
1: Well, I'm calling it like a Sondheim thing, I mean it's very close to not musically, but it's very reminiscent of Judge Turpin's oh, sure, self yeah. song yeah. Sure. Sweeney. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah, I mean, what what is it with what's the deal? uh insert seinfeld noise here what's the deal with uh judges and musical
1: theater and sexual repression all right maybe it's just judges in general especially before 18 i don't know 99 right well no saint, saint sweetie todds post 1900 so who yeah, knows yeah exactly yeah who the fuck
0: knows uh. um but either way um yeah there's uh, again, it, it's just it, obviously it is like one of the darkest, if not the darkest moments uh, in Disney animated history. Right. For
2: sure. It's yeah. Just and I think, I think certainly also in the mainline like, ones. Right. And it just it gives us this like really terrifying insight of to into what's to come. Like it, it, it opens it up of the very much like this is how I'm feeling. Uh, these are things <laughs> yeah. going on in my head. Uh, and, you know, this is going to lead to something else. And I, and I, correct me if I have my timeline wrong, but I think then after this is the scene where he, like, grabs her and, like, smells her hair. I, and I think like, that's,
0: like, right before
2: this. right before this. Right yeah. before this. Oh, yeah. God. Yeah. It's just like because
1: then he gets her and he says like he gives her the option on the like executioner's block of saying like you can come to me right. and I will free you but your mind but then he and gets like, like
0: and then he gets like mad with power and like they like uh they're like interrogating this family who lives in a windmill and he's like oh I guess you're free to go and then he fucking burns the windmill down with yeah. them in it.
2: Uh, that also, that windmill went up mm-hmm. fast, fast. <laughs> i was like what is your window made out of man like it was just i just remember thinking that like oil, very soaked day. Right, exactly. <laughs> oil soaked <laughs> day right exactly oil soaked day not good
0: uh, not good not good um Weird, 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 weird. Um, but yeah, pretty much the entire city of Paris goes up in flames. Uh, kind of ridiculous. Um, and then yeah, uh, it, it, it's. I mean, it is also interesting, right? Because like, obviously, the main character is Quasimodo, and it like it's all about like him in love with Esmeralda. Uh, but then it's not about that. It's it's Esmeralda and Phoebus. Other ones who fall in love, and like again, like that does suck, right? It's like the two conventionally attractive people end up with each other, and Quasimodo just gets fucking again, like just gets to hang out with his dumb gargoyles up in the <laughs> up in the attic.
2: But yeah. I think, like, I don't know, it's kind of hard, like you know, watching the movie now with our sensibilities now, and you're just like, yeah, but Quasimodo, what the fuck did you do? Like, you're just in the tower, bud. Like, who the fuck are you? <laughs> Sure. I mean, I got to agree with that. Like, if Esmeralda was like, what's your, you know, like, what do you like to do on the weekends? And he's like, well, I ring a bell.
1: (laughs) I make tiny models of people I see from my tower. He's really good at making those
2: cute little wooden models. He is good at that. He is, he's really good. He's really, that's what I'm saying. It's like, Quasimodo (laughs) girl, I need you to figure out who you are, sweetie. Like... (laughs) you know like who go see quasimodo. the world yeah go see the world fuck it you can jump literally to the top of this goddamn tower in a single leap so far and you're like no i'm gonna stay here quasimodo
0: and- is an athletic motherfucker i got right. it you
2: got that
1: jean valjean string <laughs> <He
2: does? laughs>
1: that's a weird victor hugo truth trope, trope <laughs> that i didn't really
2: think about i'm just like i'm like yeah let these two people fuck like whatever fuck them um you know like Quasimodo you have so much potential and like go out and see You'll the, find bro. love in the sequel. Yeah.
0: Uh, he he it does Quasimodo. find love yeah. in the in the stupid uh direct to video sequel. Um Well that, you know the ending
1: yeah. in the book, the original book ending. He
2: dies, right? Is- Well, 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 she
1: dies, and then he disappears, and they find his bones in the, like...
0: Which they, yeah, they they bring that back in the musical, yeah, we'll we'll get to that, but... Okay. uh, But, yeah, so, yeah, obviously, yeah, in the novel, she dies, but here, she almost dies, but then she uh, comes back to life at the end. Um, Frollo dies. He, yeah, like we alluded to, he falls off. Again, it's one of those classic Disney deaths where Quasimodo doesn't really kill him, but, like, so Frollo's just, like, hanging off a very damaged uh, gargoyle and just falls
1: comes to, his to death. life for, like, a
2: second. Yeah. Again. Like,
1: sure. Or maybe that's his imagination? I don't know. Right. It's hard to tell. Uh, rules
0: it, it, it rules <laughs> rules and regulations um but then yeah Afrolo dies and with it just everyone is accepting again right there's no there's no more pre- it all just takes taking down one bad guy to get rid of prejudice in the entire city of Paris I tell you that
2: which is which is so weird watching that ending because like if we you know kind of scroll back to the beginning the moment they see Quasimodo that the general crowd sees Quasimodo that he's like that's his real face and not a mask they're like yeah this dude's ugly and then they're like no let's celebrate him and then it takes like one asshole who i think is voiced by uh patrick star from spongebob sure is yeah throw a tomato and then everybody's like yeah fuck this guy again
0: (laughs) Uh, yeah and and, like yeah i guess it is again like it is in the yeah obviously it's like it has to be someone who works for frollo to be the one to throw the tomato at him like uh, yeah i get it but yeah it's again it's again I'll, it, we'll talk about it in just a second sort of like how i think the the musical actually hues closer to hugo's original novel than the than the film does i mean yeah they they literally had to fucking disney disneyfy it like that's that's what <laughs> yeah. they do they water down right. things but like and it's just like interesting like what they chose to water down and what they didn't right cuz again there's just <laughs> yeah. like they they're keeping they're keeping the sexual repression. They're keeping the the lustful villain, like and like mm-hmm. making that. they not. It's not even subtext. It is full on text. Uh, his his sexual lust for this woman. Um, so like I like I I love this movie. I do. And it maybe it's just the music that hooks me in and it won't let me go. Like I am I am cognizant of the tonal mishmash that is inherent in this movie. But gosh darn it. Um Mea Culpa. I love this fucking thing. I don't know. It's um but I I
1: do think it's I think the the it it rides that and this is pre-Tarzan by like a year. Yeah. And so you can catch little glimpses of where they're starting to use CG to sort of like cover the scenes Mm -hmm. at least, or for some of the more complicated camera moves, but it all looks really good. Nothing stands out at all. Mm -hmm. Even though I will say I don't think that the Cathedral of Notre Dame looks that great in a movie where it's featured this prominently. I thought it could look more beautiful. And you only get a couple shots where it's really like, here's the cathedral that's the title of this thing. Especially for being obviously such a central part like we talked about in the book and like one of the defining pieces of the Paris skyline up until 2019. Uh, and still, it. hopefully in the future, whenever it reopens and everything. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for like 700 years, because they started building it in 11, like 62, and took 200 years to finish the like first third of it or whatever.
0: Uh, bananas. Um, well, maybe there'll be another chance to make uh, the cathedral look good, because this brings us to the final instance of uh, the recurring segment on this season, which we have lovingly dubbed Why the Fuck Did They Make a Live Action Version of This? Why the fuck
1: did they make a live action version of this?
0: (laughs) Um, And so this is another one, Like Little Mermaid, where the live action remake isn't out yet. It's still in the early development stages, but uh, they've announced that uh, David Henry Wang, no stranger to the world of Disney, um, who wrote the books for the stage shows of Aida and Tarzan will be writing the screenplay um, for okay. a Hunchback live action film, uh, which is simply titled The
1: Hwangchback of Notre Dame. Well,
0: well,
2: <laughs>
1: it's The David Henry
0: Hwangchback. It's simply, the film is going to be simply titled Hunchback.
1: Great. Yeah. Cool. Lose,
0: lose, sh- lose, the the, it's cleaner that way. Um, <laughs> I, lose exactly. the, lose the, the of Notre Dame. It's cleaner that way. Um, <laughs> title it
1: what uh, a Red Moon show titled their version of this story in
0: 2006. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, and of course, um, one of the producers on the film and who is likely going to play Quasimodo or else, I don't know why he'd be producing this thing. Josh Gad. OK, oh. so I mean, who knows? Who knows? You'll you'll hear a lot yeah. more of our thoughts on him in our next episode on Frozen. Um, <laughs> I don't know.
1: I can't wait to see um, what it looks like, but mostly how they handle him. You know what I mean? Like I was looking around at some pictures from Broadway stuff and was pleasantly surprised to see that it's like a le- they've taken for the most part, like a less is more approach. It seems as far yeah. as terms of prosthetics and makeup and stuff. And I could just see that getting, I don't know, problematic or just ugly yeah. really fast, you know? Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, but enough, but enough
1: about, I'm sure there's not a single person <laughs> with like, any, you know, disability involved with the production of any kind?
2: Uh,
0: well. <laughs> no, well, maybe, well, maybe
1: not. So, probably not. Probably not. Well, let's
0: not talk about a movie that doesn't exist yet. Let's talk about a musical that <laughs> has existed for a, quite a long time now. Um, so The Hunchback of Notre Dame uh, was right off The Lion King. Um, so Disney had a deal to bring The Lion King to Berlin. And it fell through, didn't work out. And so Disney was like, well, we're, we're looking at doing a hunchback stage show. How about that instead of The Lion King? And they're all like, yeah, that's, that's a perfect one-to-one uh, <laughs> stage properties to give. Sure. Um, so, yeah, it was being developed. Um, so the version that went to, uh, to Berlin in 1999 was written and directed by James Lapine. Um, of Sunday in the Park with George, Into the Woods, uh, Little Miss Sunshine, the musical fame, uh, James Lapine, um... And, yeah, it was a lot... It was even darker than the than the movie. Uh, it sort of toned down... It still kept the three gargoy- gargoyles, but tones down their humor and sort of, yes, yeah, sort of, as I alluded to before, sort of stuck with that theme of these are manifestations of Quasi's yeah. you know, psyche. Um, it, they added in... Again, I think it sort of really benefited that it, it came so soon after the film version... Mencken and Schwartz wrote a bunch of new songs, which are they which are most to all of them were retained for the next version, the American version that we're about to talk about. Um, And it ran for quite a while. It was one of the longest running shows in Germany for a hot second. Um, But it just it never made the leap to America again. Very dark adult Disney musical. And that's not... like Disney's all about trying to get all audiences, all ages for their shows. Mm-hmm. So it just it didn't seem like the, the right show to bring over to the States. Um, but then, yeah, back in 2013, uh, for whatever reason, they scrapped the Lapine book and they brought in this playwright, Peter Parnell... Um, to write a new book, um, which is...
1: What else did Peter Parnell write?
0: Peter Parnell! What did he write? I'm singing because I'm looking up Peter Parnell on the internet. <laughs> this is what I'm doing. Um, he uh, wrote a play. Uh, he's written a bunch of plays. Um, romance Language, um, Hide in Hollywood, QED... Um, he he did a revised book for the musical on a clear day you can see forever um okay. he's uh, he was an executive story editor uh, on the season one of the West Wing so, right, yeah cool. there you go um so yeah he's just uh, a a working guy. a working yeah. play, a working playwright um and they're like well you'll do it now um and he did and it's again it is this fascinating mix of it is very, it is, there are moments where it is very true to the Disney film, and there are moments where it is very true to the Hugo novel. Um, and it's I don't know, I think it does a really good job of melding the two, and it is interesting that in the licensing of this show... It lists it as based on the Victor Hugo novel with songs from the Disney film, which is a fascinating way of billing it because it is so clearly inspired by the Disney film. But I guess it, I I, to be I don't know. I wonder
1: if that's a way to keep like. People like, uh, Phil Tripp, I think worked on this as like a story person. Cause there's sure. a lot of people listed in story sure. for the movie. It's I wonder true. if it's a way to keep all of them from getting a little piece of the pie because it's not based on their screenplay. Right. It's gotta be some
2: ridiculous thing like that. Oh, yeah. It's like some, the, some the least like, amount of people that we can get paid for this. We are yes. going to do it. All,
1: all that crediting matters so much for agents and for actors and, um, or writers or whoever, and their future dividends. And as so, we all I bet that it has something to do with and it. And as
0: we all know, Disney will find whatever reason it can to not give people money as much as possible. Um, they're, very good, <laughs> they're very, very, good very good at it. They're very they've mastered the art of it's God, i this is terrible. It's almost Trumpian the way that they have mastered the art of not having to pay people what they're worth. Yeah. Honestly.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Um It's wild. Oh, da-da. for being one of the rit- the <laughs>
1: most wealthy entertainment yes. conglomerates on the face on the history of humankind yep. they love to not pay people that's that's
0: yes.
2: kind of what's going on with like all their parks right now is that like all the parks they don't have people there, you know, constantly cleaning and doing all these things because all the people mm. who are doing that were part of their student program that they, like, didn't have to pay as much. Oh, man. Well, I mean, this is, and this is the
0: thing. So, Super and, cute. And they're revising the Finding Nemo musical. Uh, at the Disney theme thing- and like at the Disney uh, Animal Kingdom, and a big thing that like people are starting to talk about is oh, they're probably gonna like bring in non equity performers so that they won't have to pay uh-huh. them as much and probably like like cut the show in half and like really like again, like, just like find the cheapest
1: ways to sort of keep the oh, yeah. ship running. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. No, well, I mean, they like. There's all the, like, Art stuff, too, of, like, all those animators got laid off and stuff because they've started farming out a lot of animation, especially of series, to uh, countries around the world that have uh, less strict labor laws. I mean, it's pretty amazing that there's so many places that have that mu- that less strict of labor laws than the United States of America, but <laughs> yeah. they do exist, and especially when it comes to animation houses, so...
2: Yes.
0: Uh, what a time to All be- fun. the bells of Notre Dame. Uh, the top. Uh, <laughs> I'm just like, how do I, how do I swivel us back into this? Um, so the stage show is sort of it's a it's much more ensemble based. So obviously mm. they've scrapped the gargo the gargoyles. I cannot say this word because I do not like these characters. Uh, they've <laughs> scrapped the gargoyles and essentially replaced them with just like a chorus of talking statues. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are sort of like our narrators for the evening. They like, they are our exposition droppers for the evening. Mm. If there's anything that is too difficult to portray on stage, they will tell you about it. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it is, it is kind of a show built for community and regional theater markets, right? It's like, how can we get this story across without like asking companies to like have to sort of pay out the wazoo yeah. for special effects, and like in the tradition of just like quote unquote traditional theatrical storytelling, I I, I guess I'm a fan of it, right? It's like it makes it more text based, more story based, um, right. even if you don't get the spectacle of it all. Um, obviously, so just and that's so obviously a group
2: of people standing around telling you what happened
0: yeah and again that, obviously it's dependent on uh production to production budget to budget but i guess yeah that sure. sort of it's built into the text that hey we have this chorus that'll tell you what's happening so you don't have to worry about like paying for an exact to scale replica of notre dame or whatever the <laughs> or whatever the heck you whatever the heck like a uh, large house is gonna do um but again it is it's pretty similar to the to the film uh for like outside of a few elements um so yeah uh Quasimodo is is deaf or v- very very hard of hearing uh and, or, and i think he is he's like he is he is deaf in this show um and there have been productions of hunchback where they have um wonderfully cast a deaf actor as quasimodo and then they'll have like one of the chorus members or like maybe like uh, several statues like provide his like talking and singing voice while he is uh like performing asl with the role and oh, i think that's a cool. really lovely cool. yeah i think it's and it's like again like it's You've built into the the show That the character is deaf Um you should ideally Cast it that way and cast it yeah. Authentically to the character Um mm-hmm. so that is That's built into the show there is proof That it has been done um Kind of no excuse not to do it again Um if if you're if you can Um I But yeah and they have this like dev- all And it's like this like device quote unquote Where like he sort of Talks in his like hard-of-hearing mode with, uh, other characters, but then when he's, like, alone, he talks quote-unquote normal, uh, and, like, that's <laughs> when he, like, uh, gets to, like, sing and belt and, like, express himself, and, like, it, like, dramaturgically, I suppose it make, it makes sense, like it's it's a choice that makes sense for this character. It's like, oh yeah, you're gonna you're only gonna sing these uh, anthems, these ballads when you are by yourself, when you're not when you are with other characters.
2: Sure, right when he's like most comfortable, just yeah. Like being, yeah.
0: But yeah, they they Him they they scrap the models for this version, right? They're, he's not he doesn't have a hobby anymore.
1: It's true. I mean, but there's a lot more emphasis put on his relationship with the bells. Yeah. And like, a sort of illusions that he repairs them and cleans them and like maintains them. Um, and that's all made a lot more textual in this, yes. which I don't know if they can, they don't need both. Yeah, it's true. Uh, yeah. Phoebus, Phoebus gets songs in this show. He has a, yep. so uh, he has yeah,
0: She Yeah. Right, I mean, she has got to help the, <laughs> she has got to help the outcasts in sure. the, but yeah, she has more songs in this one, but
1: even that she gets like a verse and a chorus and then it's an ensemble number. Exactly. Yeah.
0: um, But yes, uh, Phoebus gets a song in which he has a full-on... PTSD war flashback in the middle of yeah.
1: I was like, oh that seems like a little like if they were looking for something to cut for time, that might have been a thing. Sure. It <laughs> could have dropped. It's like, whoa, and, it feels very And again, out of it's it is
0: one of those classic Alan Menken things where he's taking just his score and just being like, Yeah, this let's let's put lyrics to this. Um, yeah, that like da da da, da 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 that's just Phoebus's theme from the film. And they're like, well, yeah. oh, that's his Song now my job is done like <laughs> wipe my I wipe my hands Here you clean. Go, Steven
2: <laughs> yes Ray. good Just luck make something out of this
0: yeah um, because yeah it's I mean there there are a lot of songs in that original film like to, like it is one of the song most song heavy of the Disney uh musical movies and
1: especially since it's like right at ninety minutes too. Yeah,
0: they they really, really pack lot. it in there, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um there aren't a lot I mean and that's it, But then there are a lot of songs added into this one too. Like you get yeah, rest in recreation, rhythm of the temp. And again a lot of them sort of borrow music from each other. Like they yeah. they really do. Like come on Alan, whatever. Um you're <laughs> you're a busy guy, I guess. Um What, you had, what, like, 20 uh, 20 years to write this? It's fine. Um, (laughs) Don't worry about it. Um, Like, they get a cute little number called Top of the World, where it's... uh, Quasimodo introducing uh Esmeralda to the view of the the top of Notre yeah. Dame it's very it's again, I I like the songs here I think they actually again and maybe it is because they are so steeped in the music from the film because they are so steeped in that score that they're just like and and also maybe it is because they had like a literal like full decades to workshop them like in another country sure. and then bring them to the mm. states and then just like finesse them even more. Um, oh yeah, and I guess so. I, I skipped over that. Frollo essentially has an entirely Frollo and Quasimodo have an entirely different backstory.
2: Yeah. So yeah, it's like his nephew, or yes, something. Exactly. Right? yes, exactly. And so, yeah because like, his
1: brother is in the prologue, which I don't not. Lie. I don't dislike making that character closer to him no. and making it like more personal. I do think that like, but this is, we sort of talked about this. when We'll talk about the movie, but to make him an archdeacon and a, and a, a member of the church, as opposed to being a like judge for the city is where that's this sort of line between um, the materials indictment of the Catholic church or not gets a little muddled in the mu- in the musical rather mm-hmm. to me. Yeah. Because it doesn't really, I mean, maybe maybe there is a moment towards the end, but it doesn't really seem like the movie or another official from the church really rebukes him for his attitudes or actions. It's just sort of the citizenry and the... yeah. You
2: know the plot. They're like <laughs> genocide. I don't know, man. man uh, sure, like I'm. I'm gonna leave you there. I'm, we're not gonna. I don't want to argue with you, Archdeacon. It's not yeah. been that long in since the musical. Crusades, he, after all, he, he
0: gets he gets permission from King Louis to carry out his oh, sure. like vengeance oh, against Esmeralda.
1: Yeah. That's, well, that's not surprising. <laughs> no, it's not surprising. It's Louis the Eleventh. Not a great guy. <laughs> i <laughs> also not an official of the church. Ah, well, there you go. Um,
0: but then, yeah, yes. Yeah, so, yeah. So, Judge Frollo, Frollo's brother Jayan, uh hates the church, and he wants to live a life of sin among the Romani. <laughs> Ah, uh, and so Frollo <laughs> finds him one night, and he's, he wants to dance and fuck. I know. He's yeah, di- he does. He's he's dying from like a like consumption, the plague, whatever. Hard to tell. Uh, yeah, Hard and he's tell. like, he's like, take care of my son, and he's like, oh, he's a
2: monster. He's like, yeah, well, I'm dead now. So there you go. Um, Good luck. And yeah, and he's just like, oh yeah, your your baby's real ugly. That's what you get brother <laughs> yeah totally
1: <laughs> these are the wages of your sin yeah. like, cool
2: cool great like, all right all right man just fucking chill At least yeah. your
1: no redemption yeah. arc for you I guess no.
0: Great. All right. Okay. No, no, no. um I love that the act one and en- the end of act one number is just like uh it's very lame miz. it feels very like oh sure. it's, it is it, I mean Bren in your minds this should be a song you like because it does oh, yeah. it does the thing you like it's the Oh,
1: Lots of stuff happening. Lo- <laughs> Lots of stuff happening at once. Lots love of people it. talking about what they're doing and what they're gonna do. <laughs> mm-hmm. Sets of music. Well, it's like a montage. It's a, it's a musical montage. Yeah. Right. You should, so in theory you should
0: love that number.
1: Yeah, I like the concept, the the concept behind it, and it's Alan Menken. So yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> it's just bloated. Like that's really, I think overall my sure. only complaint with this show is like most of them. It's just overstuffed and too long. It doesn't need to be. I know. Um to it's be coming from that source material. For sure. But again, mm-hmm. like
0: I, I you know, I appreciate that it's sticking to the darkness of the film yeah. of the novel and again even like Esmeralda dies she dies at the yep. end of this one they stick to that um and then yeah you you have them yeah they have that ending where they're like uh years later and it, it is i feel like it's even darker where they're like they're not even saying Quasimodo died they're like years later they found the bones of these two people entwined and one of them had like a uh bracelet uh like a beaded Bracelets, and one of them had a crooked back. And they're like, they're not even saying that it's them. It's like, and there's something like even like more twisted about that that they're just like leaving that image in your mind, and it's up to you, the audience, to be like, oh shit.
1: And do they mention like I think the last line in the like early versions or maybe original version. Of the book too Is that not only Are their skeletons Found together But then they try To pull them apart And yes. he crumbles Into dust Yes
2: <sighs> Like wow That's rough
0: It's It's cool. very That is That's literally The last line of dialogue When they tried cool. To detach the skeleton Which he held Which he held In his arms He crumbled To dust cool. Morning in Paris A new day Of <laughs> <a> piercing <laughs> The bells Of cool. Trump, And Trump like Like you gotta give him an A for Yeah, I'm efforts. sorry I didn't rank
1: this higher in our rankings. It was too early in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta, you gotta, you gotta
0: hop in before next week and like re-edit that.
1: <laughs> yeah, something. right. Your your responses to me will just make no sense. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just re-edit my side of the conversation so you sound like a lunatic. Yes,
0: but but I, I was <laughs> My God, but I'll say like I think my favorite song that they've added. But also, I think it's hilarious that in "Rhythm of the Tambourine," uh, Esmeralda says the line, "Hey, soldier boy."
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, totally.
0: Weird thing. Weird thing to hear in a in a musical set in (laughs) 1800s France. Um, Whatever. Uh, You get one mulligan, Stephen. There
1: you go. Soldier boy, tell him.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But then I think my favorite song that they've added for the stage show uh, is "Made of Stone." Which is uh, Quasimodo's song that he sings in the middle of Act Two, near the end of Act Two, um, where it's him, yeah, yelling at the statues around him, um, and again, mm-hmm. like it is embracing this idea, which I think is one of the more interesting things that the stage show uh, embraces um, about these characters being in his mind, um, and, it, yeah, and mm-hmm. it takes and it takes that line from the movie. Which I really love where he says, we're only made of stone. We just thought that you were made of something stronger, which is a, and they like they reemphasize that's just turning that essentially into the thesis of this song. And it's not again, like like I say, about a lot of these things when they excel, it is both thematically resonant
2: and also just a banger
0: of a song, I think.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's a great song. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a good
0: time. So yeah, i any any final thoughts on hunchback, either as a film or as a stage show? I feel like I've I've been gushing about this thing for like the past <laughs> hour or so. I think I've made my my claims pretty apparent.
2: Well, no, I think it's what we would kind of talked about at the beginning is to, you know, comparing it um to a a Sondheim piece, and then the more I don't want to think about it, and then the more we talk about it, I'm like, oh yeah, this compares to this, this compares to this. Uh, uh, you just like, okay, well that's clearly not what it is. Like we need to think about it as as its own thing, and especially as a Disney piece, it's just uh, you know one of those things you don't think about how dark Disney gets or can get or we mm-hmm. let them get away with. Because um, you think of you know Disney, you think of. Snow White, you know, their first piece and how, you know, you go back to all these Brother Grimm's tales and they're all so fucking dark and horrifying and, you know, people getting their eyes pecked out with birds and it's just like, Mm -hmm. and then in Disney one, the birds make a a dress and it's really nice. (laughs) You know, and and this is one of the first times I, I, uh, you know, uh, we feel, or I feel that we see them kind of lean into the darkness. with especially with certain songs and certain actions certain characters um and so it's a, it's a great piece uh just to when you think about it on on that level and comparing it to everything else around the time um everything else i feel like before and after was so not not that everything was so lighthearted obviously like lion king is not a lighthearted piece of fun <laughs> sure. no you know but like it has those like real moments of of lightheartedness whereas this one uh, you know, uh, our two heroes rush into uh, what the cemetery to like warn all the Romani people that they're about to be like genocided. And yes. the Romani come out hiding as skeletons and they're like, that's why you never found us, because we're gonna murder you. you know? <laughs> like, it's, it's so, uh, it's such a unique piece in that yeah. aspect um because kind of what we talked about before even the, the the comedy of these uh gargoyles was like just so out of place no. unnecessary yeah. because it is a family movie and it somehow got rated g again <laughs> uh and that is like this necessary thing but uh at the end of the day it's so uh not not off-putting but just so uh jarring yeah. and, and anachronistic to everything else that's going on but um this is the first time I've really gotten a chance to just really sit with the film as an adult. I like, oh, again, I, yeah. uh, trauma or whatever. I was like, I don't, eh, maybe we don't need to watch this movie for whatever reason. Something is saying not to. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's definitely one of those pieces where now that I get a chance to watch it again and with modern sensibilities, you're like, okay, wow, this is, this is, this is pretty fucking good yeah
0: (laughs) some good shit pretty good there's some good shit i i will forever stand this this property in whatever form it takes unless uh they inevitably fuck it up in hunchback (laughs) coming soon to disney plus um have either of you
1: ever seen the the cathedral itself no. no
0: well i you know i i went to paris when i was like a wee one and maybe I went to it, but if if i if I did, it has been far removed from my memory. um, I wish one day I'll go back um Paris yeah, I was
1: there in twenty seventeen and I walked around the outside, but I never, I, I don't really, I, I can't really enter churches. You know, like if I cross the threshold, it's just not great. <laughs> right,
2: um, but sure, like, uh, sure. portal but, to um, heaven, gotcha.
1: Yeah, you know, it's like, I, I'll just, I might burst into flame. I don't really know. <laughs> right. um, but uh, it is, I mean, it's, it is, you can, it is one of those places that um, if you've, if any of our listeners have gotten to do much traveling and you go somewhere that is very old, mm-hmm. that you can, there's like almost a sense or almost a like smell that you just feel the history of the stone and like to use yeah. that like made of stone song that we were just talking, talking about. I do think that, um, even though I just talked shit on like the actual physical representation <laughs> of the, of the, the place in the movie, um, the, just the reverence that it's treated with yeah. and the, the, especially in the musical of that, like, Sense of age and stuff, yeah. I do think, um, is captured and 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 in the musical and is reflective of, like I said before, what Victor Hugo was really trying to do with that novel, which was preserve architecture. Hell yeah, um, <laughs> bonkers! But um, More... yeah, go if you can, go if you ever get the chance. If it doesn't uh, catch on fire again, well, again.
0: well we, we can ask uh, last week's guest, Nina Stana, who is currently in Paris to, to scope it
1: out and give us her thoughts on how's it going. It's also like. I mean, the 2019, that thing is a huge tragedy. Don't get me wrong. But this the the, the Cathedral of Notre Dame has its entire history is of it like burning or being sacked <laughs> by sure. invaders or like torn down by vandals or, you know, like. So it's kind of like it's in line with its history to be rebuilt yet again. But um, I think they still have like a shard of the true cross in there or something crazy like that. <laughs> Bananas. So, um, know, good luck.
0: Hunchback. We love it Um, It's uh, available now Wherever you get your films And it is probably playing At a regional theatre close to you Whenever theatre starts happening On a larger level Um, (laughs) Next week we're closing things out Talking about that big ol' cinematic Broadway juggernaut Frozen But before we go Rowley Luna, we're going to ask you a very important question that we ask all of our guests at the end yes. of uh, this, uh, these episodes, except last week where our guest Nina stana it was her third time back, and she refused to answer the question. Um, and I get it. But you're a first-time <laughs> guest, so here we go. Uh, Rowley, if you could adapt a movie into a musical that has not been adapted already, what movie would you choose?
2: So, my immediate answer was one of my favorite, favorite films of all time um, until I actually looked it up and turned, found out it is a musical. Uh, and I was like, what? Who? What the? F-? Patti LuPone was in it, apparently. Um, Women on the Verge of a Nervous Breakdown. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I didn't know that was a musical. That is one of my. I, that is like I watch that movie at least three times a year.
0: I, like it, I, we're gonna. I'm gonna preemptively say that we. You can be the guest on that episode whenever <laughs> we do. Yeah. totally. It's so
2: good. It's it's oh, it's an amazing film. And Great. it started my love uh, with Pedro Almodovar and all of his films. Um, and so I was like, okay, that's that's you know what I'm gonna go. With. And then I found out it was a musical, and I was like, well, fuck me. Uh, I guess that's <laughs> not it so i thought of like it was a good idea right exactly (laughs) exactly um so the movie that i decided to go with uh was uh it's a, a film from the 1950s it's called salt of the earth um if you've heard of it if you know what that is it's uh this movie that was blacklisted it was made by all these blacklisted uh cinema folks because everybody thought they were communists um and so, like, right up my alley, like here for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's about these Mexican American, uh, you know, miners in uh, New Mexico, I believe, and they all go on strike uh, for you know better wages and for being you know at least paid at least as much as their white counterparts. Um, and so the, the mining company gets together with the town and they make it so that any miners who are striking will be arrested um, and fired. And so then the wives get involved and they're like, well, we're not miners. We're going to take up the strike the strike line. And the men are like, nah, I don't know about that. And the women are like, shut up. I'm fucking doing this for us. <laughs> um and it's 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 just, it's great film. Um one of my favorites uh and I think it, I think it would make a fantastic musical I think like you know um I think people would really dig it and get into it and like, fuck it up. And I think we need, you know, just more Brown people on, on stage uh, that aren't Lin-Manuel Miranda. Hot <laughs> <You know? Heart laughs> take. No, I, I, I love him. I love him. No, I, I, love him. I get but, it. I get it. Yeah. 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 But it's when there's only one of you, it's like, all right, cool you know
0: (laughs) salt of the earth uh ironically able to stream on amazon prime oh my god
2: yeah you know what um uh what was that movie uh it's also one of my favorites sorry to bother you sure yeah huge thing very anti-amazon amazon Amazon was the first place you could like buy it digitally yeah and you're just like what is happening what is this (laughs) Oh man!
0: Uh,
1: what other choice do you have? Yeah. That's a great choice. I've never seen that yeah, movie, but it's I've, been on my list oh, for a very long time. It's I've, really good. I've
0: just added it to. Listen, any any film that it, it, whose entire crew was blacklisted. That that sounds right McCarthy, up my yeah probably yeah.
1: pretty good. Right. Sounds right yeah. up
0: my alley. Absolutely. Uh, everyone should uh, find that movie, um, watch it. Um, maybe a way. Maybe throw means that is an Amazon Prime if you can. Um, <laughs> but uh, who the heck? Go buy does? a
2: physical copy. Yeah, find maybe a real weird. Maybe it's it. on
0: Blu-ray. I'm gonna look no, into you this know, right up. I
2: actually. I think it's actually. It might actually be part of the public domain or something, or available oh. for free. Uh, um, I was introduced to it in in college, and I think yeah. I think, there's yeah, you it's can, like, if
0: you go to the Wikipedia page, you can just watch the movie on the Wikipedia right. page. Yeah, so It's, yeah. Cool. it's one of those. Eat shit, Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> Do that. Um, yeah, fuck you, Amazon. We can just watch it for free anywhere. <laughs> the film, the film quality. Uh, don't worry about it. Um, but yes. <laughs> Either way, great choice, Rowley, Thank you so much for being here. Um, anything to okay, plug or any me. any. Yeah. Anywhere, anywhere that you want people
2: to find you. Um, Just I'd like to give a shout out to um, El Bear is our small theater company here in Chicago. um, You know, check us out on Facebook. El Bear was there. Um, You know, we're just like everybody else, just trying to get people and material and ramping things up for if this ever all comes back. uh, Who knows? Uh, I, I you know i I work at a grocery store, and if, if if the people I see every day is any indication of where we're headed, um we're gonna be here for at least five more years. So. Oh,
1: <laughs> so we'll all pivot to digital media. <laughs> exactly. My performance truly dead. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, great, but yes, we, we that's
0: we'll, that. we'll yeah, we'll support support El Bear, follow El Bear see what the hell is going on. Rowley, we'll have you back for our Inevitable Women on the Verge of a Nervous Breakdown episode. Awesome. Um, we, we got to at some point. Um, Absolutely. I want to <laughs> thank... Brand Moorhead for producing and editing this show I want to thank each and every one of you for listening I want to thank Emily Harrington for our artwork I want to thank M. Modaf and Josh Stanley for our kick-ass theme song if you like the show be sure to rate us review us subscribe for future episodes you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Movie The Musical and if you want to support the podcast and get some sweet bonus content go to patreon.com slash Musical and become a monthly member it's a fun time over there we love to see it. Keep on singing. Pull the wine and cut the cheese.